All right, come on back in, find your seat. Good morning. My name is Ben. Um, if you are visiting here for the first time, if you're joining us the first time, I am not um, the pastor. I was asked to share this morning, but I'm not the pastor. Pastor Chris is seated in the back, and uh, Pastor John is away with his family for the weekend. Um, but I am excited to, uh, to share with you this morning. So if you are um, if you're ready, I'm ready. The human body is an amazing thing. Did you know your heart beats about 100,000 times a day? Think about that, 100,000 times a day. Pumps about 2,000 gallons of blood through your body in one day. And to help you visualize that, in one year, the human heart pumps enough blood to fill an Olympic-sized swimming pool, which I looked up just for reference, is roughly like twice the size of the room that we're in. You get visualizing that? That's a disgusting amount of blood to visualize, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Um, but it's also an impressive, impressive amount of blood for your little heart to be pumping all day, every day. Your body has more than 600 muscles, which is what it tells me, but I don't know about you. I definitely don't feel like I have 600 muscles. Where, where are those 600 muscles? Um, the strongest muscle is in your jaw. Do you guys know that? And the weakest muscle in your body is in your ear. And I wonder, maybe that's because we talk more than we listen. Hmm. Um, you have about 206 bones in your body. I didn't know this, um, but actually uh, when you're born, you have closer to 300 bones, and then they sort of fuse together. And it, uh, the average adult has somewhere around 206, um, and more than half of those 206 are in your hands and in your feet. And this is really cool. Pound for pound, bone is stronger than steel. Do you know that? They said that um, a block of bone about the size of a match, matchbox can support up to 18,000 pounds of weight. Isn't that crazy? Bone for bone, it's stronger than, or pound for pound, it's stronger than steel. Your brain, your brain is probably one of the coolest parts of your body, can do so many different things. Um, it, the average brain weighs about three pounds. If you think about what your body weight is compared to about three pounds, depending on how smart you are probably, um, it's roughly three pounds. Yet, it takes over 20, about 25% of the energy that your body uses goes to your brain working because your brain is always working. Your brain actually never stops, even while you're sleeping. How many of you guys can attest to the fact that your brain never stops, even when you're trying to sleep, and you wish it would? There are more nerve cells in the human brain than there are stars in the Milky Way. Let that sink in for a second. More nerve cells in your brain than stars in the Milky Way. Now, if, you know, if I was a researcher, I can't imagine which one of those jobs would be worse, looking through a telescope counting the stars in the Milky Way or looking through a microscope counting the nerve cells in someone's brain. Either way, that's a lot of counting. Um, and those, those uh, nervous system in your body takes signals and it transform, transform, transports information to your brain. Um, and the nervous system can transmit information Sometimes, nerve pulses transmit up to 180 miles an hour, which is crazy fast. But if you ever, like, stepped on a Lego, you know what that feeling is when you instantly, it instantly tells your brain what to say out your mouth, right? It happens pretty quick. 
That's how quickly it, it can travel. And I was thinking about how the, the, your five senses send information to your brain, which help you understand what's happening around you. And I couldn't help it, but maybe this is totally unfair, but I couldn't help it but rate my five senses based on how valuable they are, how important they are, how useful they are to me. And if anyone else has ever done that, I started thinking, I think for me at least, sight is probably my number one top, top sense. Being able to see what's happening is probably what I most use to understand what's going on around me in the world. But right below that would be hearing. Hearing is incredible. I love the idea that I can hear something, and if I, I can hear someone's voice, and if it's somebody I know, I can tell who it is without even seeing them. Um, or if somebody's out of my sign of vision, I can tell usually where they are coming from based on my hearing. It, it's incredible the way God designed that. Um, and then, you know, I, um, your sense of feeling, uh, taste. I don't really navigate the world very much by taste. I don't know if you guys do. Um, I usually don't. However, taste is very important to me um, because there's a lot of things about life that I experience and enjoy based on taste. However, I, I rated smell down at the bottom as far as um, uh, five senses because I don't really use smell to like accomplish a lot of things. Well, that's what I thought until I started reading. Your sense of smell is around 10,000 times more sensitive than your sense of taste. About 80% of what you taste, what you think is your taste buds, is actually your smell. And flavor, what you taste on something, is a combination of what you smell and what you taste at the same time. And when I read that, suddenly, smell became a lot more important. Like, the, what I smell affects how good the coffee is or how delicious that burger is. Maybe, that's, maybe that, that sense of smell is a little more important than I thought it was. Anyways, um, I just wanted to, to remind you how incredibly impressive uh, the human body is. It's a miracle of God's creation. And I wondered, as I thought about it, if the complexity and the, just the beauty of the design, that the human of the way the human body is designed, is part of the reason why the body is the primary metaphor used in Scripture for the church. How many of you guys know that we are a body? Everyone say, we are a body. Uh, if you are taking notes, which I hope that you are, that's the title of the message, is We Are a Body. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is that as believers, as a church, we are a body. What does that mean? For better or worse, God has chosen the body, us, as the primary way that he works in the world. He has chosen to limit his work in the world to working through us. I don't know why he chose to do that. I kind of sometimes wonder if there would have been a better way for him to accomplish things than working through us. I mean, this is the God who just spoke things into existence. He just created the, the expanse of stars and, and the universe. He created all the animals and all the plants just by speaking. Surely there's a more efficient way for him to get things done than working through us. You guys track it with me? But God has proven again and again that he works through the body. It makes me wonder, why? What's so great about this body that he chooses to work through us? What is so great? So I want to read to you this morning. Um, we're going to look at Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 3. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up to Romans 12. 
you got, you got your phone with you, you can look it up, Romans 12. We're going to spend all of our time there. We're going to kind of plant ourselves there. And we're going to look at it and ask this question. What is so great about the body? All right, Romans 12, starting in verse 3. If you're there, say, I'm there. I'm there. All right, that's not everybody, so I'll give you one more second to turn. Okay, no stalling. All right, starting in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, let me just pause really quickly right there and make a quick note um, as we're reading. By the grace given to me, the me in that sentence is Paul the Apostle. Because Paul is the one who wrote this, and he is writing a letter here. Paul's writing a letter to the Romans. So the everyone among you that he's referring to is the church in Rome. Paul the Apostle was one of the apostles of the early church, one of the more prominent um, leaders in the early church. And this is after Jesus um, rose again and went to be back with the Father. And then the story, the good news, the gospel about Jesus began to spread around that area. And it spread to all the different surrounding uh, countries and different and nations. And by the time it had reached Rome, they began to hear the story about the gospel, about this Jesus who brings salvation. And this question began to arise to the Romans, the church there. And they said, like, is this story about Jesus is this a Jewish thing? Is this for the Jewish people? Or is this for the Gentiles, the non-Jews? Like, what is this, this whole gospel thing about? So Paul wrote him this long, beautiful letter to say, emphatically, the gospel, salvation of Jesus is for all people. It is not just for Jews. It's not just for Gentiles. Salvation is for all. And that's, that's the story of the first part of um, Romans. And so he's writing this letter to tell them that. And then he goes on. Um, so I just want to clarify who was speaking here. Paul says, By the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another having gifts that differ according to the grace that has been given us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortations, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, and the one who, acts, who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Holy Spirit, I just want to take a moment pray and invite you to speak through this passage of Scripture uh, that we just read. I pray that you would lay on our hearts the things um, that we need to get out of it. We invite you to challenge us in ways that we need to be challenged, to encourage us in ways that we need to be encouraged, and we ask you to speak to us this morning. In your name we pray. Everyone together said, Amen. Amen. So, um, looking at that with a question in mind, what's so great about the body? There's a couple of things that um, stand out to me, and I want to I draw your attention to those things. First, there is diversity in the body. It says in, 12, in verse 4 that we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Got that? They do not all have the same function, implying they have different functions. They do different things. They accomplish different things. So that's how we know there is diversity in the body. 
It's been made to function in lots of different ways. So um, in another letter that Paul wrote, he wrote another letter to the Corinthians. uh, And in his letter to the Corinthians, he expounds on this um, metaphor of a human body for the body of Christ. And I love what he says there. He says some great things. Uh, He says, like, you know, there's lots of different parts, and they all do different things, and they shouldn't get jealous of each other or try to try to be each other. They should value their own individual contribution. And so he gives us these (laughs) great uh, mental pictures of a body. So one he says is like, what if there was a foot that said, I wish I was a hand. And if I can't be a hand, I'm not going to be a part of this body anymore. Pretty ridiculous. He gives us another mental image. Like, what if there was a body that was just an ear? The whole thing was an ear. How would it see anything? How would it taste anything if it's just an ear? Very silly, um, but it it gives us a great mental picture of like, yeah, there is value in having lots of different parts that do lots of different things that look very, very different at times, but when they work together, it's a body. Um, I don't know how many of you guys are familiar with like personality types, personality typing kind of stuff. I've done a number of that, uh, those type of things over the years with different teams that I've been a part of as a, um, a part of the leadership team here at our church. Um, I've done it with some of the leadership teams I had at camp, um, some different things I did at school, working with some different teams. And there's a lot of different ways to do this. But one thing that really stands out to me when we do leadership or we do um, personality testing and personality discussions, we realize, okay, this person's an introvert, this person's an extrovert, this person likes leading, this person likes serving. And we find, we realize that different people have different strengths and weaknesses. But the thing that always stands out to me is that you need variety on your team. A team that has like four strong leaders is going to have problems. And a a team that has like four quiet, thinking, um, behind-the-scenes servants is also going to have problems. You need a combination of those things. You need people who are great at speaking out, and you need people who are great at just taking directions. You need people who are creative, and you need people who are more like linear and logistic thinking, and you, you need that combination working. I was thinking a great example of this was this one time um, I was with Josh Russell. I don't know if you remember this. We were down in the, the youth room at our church, and I was, I was looking at the, the youth room that we had back then, and I remember saying to Josh, like, you know what? I don't like the way this room is laid out. And I've been wanting to rearrange this room for a long time. I don't like that the stage is here and the chairs are here and, like, that table's there. And it's, it doesn't work. For the flow of it is not right, and I want to move it. And Josh is like, yeah, let's go ahead and do that. So I'm like, I'm like all right, let's see. Where, what if we move it here? And I start, like, drawing it on paper. Like, I got I to gotta plan this. I got to think this through. Josh just starts moving stuff. And I'm like, well, hang on, hang on. I don't have a plan yet. Hang on. I gotta, I gotta, we got to think about this for a little bit. And Josh was like, no, nah, let's just start moving stuff. And I'm so grateful that he did that because, like, I'm a person who likes to dream and think and plan. And left to myself, I would just do that all day long. And I need somebody else who's like, okay, enough talking. Let's just move some stuff. Um, and so we need those kinds of people, like different people who have different skills to push us in different ways. Um, something else that popped out in this, in this verse to me, and we talked about diversity, um, something that I think is crucial here is humility. If you look in the very first verse, verse 3, he says, you ought not to think more highly of yourself than you ought, but think with sober judgment. And that, to me, is a challenge to be humble because humility is crucial to diversity. 
Humility allows us to recognize, allows us to value the differences in other people. This phrase, think with sober judgment, actually means use a sound mind. And I like that. Like, like, don't get crazy, okay? Think about it realistically. Your way is not the only way. Sorry to break it to you guys. Your way is not the only way. In fact, it might not even be the best way. Sometimes other people have opinions, other people have ideas, other people have feelings that are just as valuable as yours. So use your mind, think about it, realize you're not the most important person in the room. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message, he words it this way, I love this. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and what God does, not by what we are and what we do. Humility is not measured by how great you are. Humility is not measured by how terrible you are. Humility is when you focus on how great the other people that God has made are. You stop saying, I'm good or I'm bad. I can do this or I can't do this. Stop focusing on yourself and recognize that there are lots of other people around you that God has made that are important and valuable and bring a lot to the table. This kind of humility unlocks the diversity in the body. The second thing that stood out to me um, after diversity was unity. There is unity in the body. Um, and in verse 4, it says, um, no, no, verse 5, it says, we, though many, are one body. Everyone say one body. Wow, you guys are starting to fall asleep. Everyone say one body. One body. All right, there we go. Wake up a little bit. Um, so though we are many, we are one. Are we many? Are we one? Yes, we are both. Um, unity, this is something that Pastor John said last Sunday when he was speaking. He said, unity is oneness, not sameness. It's together. It doesn't mean that we all do are identical. Okay, I was thinking about um, Star Trek. I don't know how many of you guys are old enough to remember Star Trek or, uh, or nerdy enough to have watched that. When I was younger, I watched Star Trek and um, I was thinking about this this week when I was, I was thinking about the oneness but not sameness. And I remembered, for those of you who don't know Star Trek, I'll give you a quick heads up. There's a spaceship, flies around, the good guys, the Federation Starfleet, and they travel around and, and keep, the, keep the universe safe. And in every episode, they encounter some type of evil alien race that's trying to take over the world or whatever and defeat them, and it's good. Um, and so I remember one of the evil races, alien races, that they had to battle was called the Borg. If anybody is tracking with me, remember the Borg. And so the Borg were a little bit unique and a little bit terrifying in that unlike other alien races, the Borg didn't have like one specific evil leader who was like a menace. The Borg were these like cyborg people that all shared one collective mind and they were always all thinking the same thing and working together. Um, and, but the thing is, they had this thing that they would always say when they would try to take over a new person or, or a new race. They would say, you will be assimilated, meaning you will become exactly like us. We'll take everything that you are and you do, and you will morph it into us, and we together will be the collective. You will be assimilated. I think they used to say, resistance is futile. And I want to tell you, in case you're getting nervous, that is not what the body of Christ is like, okay? You will not be assimilated. You do not lose your identity. You do not lose your, your uniqueness. 
when you become a part of the body of Christ. We don't say, if you want to be a part of us, then you have to think the way we think and talk the way we talk and dress the way we dress. That's not how it works, okay? We, we join this body, and we have, we have different political views, some of us. We have different family backgrounds. We have different jobs, different financial means. We have different hobbies. We like different sports teams. Not everybody here is a Bills fan. I'm just going to say it. And that's okay. Some people root for other football teams, and we don't hate them. That's okay, right? <laughs> I might have stepped on some toes there. So. And although we may have many differences, we have a couple of important things in common. So what do we have in common? We have all been saved by the same grace. Amen? We have all been saved by the same grace. So I was telling you, Paul writes this letter to uh, Romans. If I had time, I'd read the whole thing to you. But um, from verse one, or chapter 1 to chapter 11, Paul is just talking about the universality of grace. And all have sinned. Every single person has sinned. And every single person has received freely the gift of God by the grace of God has found redemption in Jesus. Everyone who is a part of the body is that because of the grace of God. Nobody earned it, okay? Nobody earned it. Don't you dare look around this room and think, oh, that's a good Christian person. I bet that person got in on their works because it's not true. Don't you dare look around this room and think, that, I'm not as good as that person right there because by the grace of God, you are. We have that in common. We were brought into this body by his grace, amen? What do you have? What do you have that you haven't received? Nothing. Everything that you have has been given to you by God. The most useful, the best, the smartest person in the world is no more than what God made them to be. And the same is true for you. You are because God made you that way. We are saved by the same grace and we follow the same Jesus. Romans 12, 5, we were looking at it. It says, though we are many, we are one body in Christ. We are a body, we are together because Christ, and we follow Christ. We have surrendered our lives to following him. I was thinking about what, what Pastor John said last week about um, overseas, uh, those who are working overseas. You find when you're overseas that denominational lines between believers become irrelevant. And I lived overseas for a couple of years, and so I know exactly what he's talking about. I've experienced this. When there are very, very few other Christians, when you meet one and you have a quick conversation and you realize this person loves Jesus, this person is serving Jesus, that person quickly becomes a friend. They become an ally. They become a brother or a sister. And I don't really care what their political views are. I don't really care what their theological differences are. I don't really care what their background is. They're serving Jesus and I'm serving Jesus. Then we are working together. And you very quickly become close with people when you realize you have that in common. We're all following Jesus, and sometimes we follow Jesus differently. Sometimes he gives us different, tells us to do different things. Maybe to one of us, he would tell us to, to leave everything and go serve, and to one of us, he would tell us to stay at home and take care of our families. And we can't compare, like, how come that person gets to go there and I have to stay here, or I have to do this with my money, and they get to spend their money, because we're all obeying Jesus. So there's a great example of this in Scripture that I, I really like. Um, it's... Uh, after Jesus um, comes back to life and he meets with his disciples again, 
He talks to Peter, and he says to Peter, Peter, you're going to be a shepherd for my church, and you're going to shepherd. He gives Peter this call. You're going to be a shepherd in this church. But then he tells him, when you're older, people are going to carry you around in places you don't even want to go. Peter, hearing this, says, points to a different disciple. He says, well, Jesus, what, ab- what about that guy? What about him? And I love Jesus' response. He says, what is that to you? You follow me. What is that to you? You follow me. And I want to challenge you. Some of you need to hear Jesus say that. If you've been comparing yourself to other believers and say, how come they have more money than me? How come they, ha- they don't have to serve here or do this? What is that to you? You follow Jesus. Don't worry about what other people are call is or what they're doing, what their gifting is. You follow Jesus because that's what he called you to. Unity is people aligning together for God's purpose. And that is a great definition for the body. I asked this question at the beginning. I said, what makes the body so great? We talked about diversity. We talked about unity. But there's one more thing that to me is my favorite part of what makes the body great. You. You are a part of the body. Say, I'm a part of the body. Say it again so you believe it. Yes, yes you are. So Romans 12, 5, we were just reading it. The second half of that verse says, we are individually members of one another. It's a sentence I had to think about a little bit because it's kind of confusing. We are members of one another individually. I think what that's saying is we are part of each other's faith journey. We are part of each other's growth and each other's life. Like it or not, you might not like it, but we are a part of each other. I'm a part of your faith, and you are a part of mine here together. That's how the body works. The body is only complete when you are a part of it. And I don't mean that like abstractly and theoretically. I mean like literally, this congregation is only complete when you are here, when you're engaged, when you're a part of it. I've been talking with the the youth a little bit about this, about um, working together and being together and being a body together. And I've been saying this thing where I say, like, it means you have to show up. But you have to do more than just show up. You can't just be a warm body sitting in a seat. You have to participate. You have to engage. You have to be a part of what's happening here. That's how the body is complete. Anybody, um, just a curiosity, anybody, like, ever lose a a finger or um, something like that? Anybody do that? Um, and it's, like, it's not like you can't use your hand anymore, but it's not complete. You can't do all the same things you used to do, right? I almost lost a pinky uh, in the engine of my car once when I was younger and, and stupider than I am now. Um, I almost lost a pinky. Thankfully, I only lost a nail. But I had this, after that, I had like these like reoccurring nightmares where I lose a finger because um, I'm a musician. I'm a guitar player. And like the idea of like losing one of my most important fingers on my hand that I play guitar with was like, no, maybe I'd be able to play, but it sure wouldn't be the same if I lost those. Um, I remember um, when I was in Bible school, uh, there were some piano practice rooms where you could go and you could practice piano. Like I said, I was a musician and I played piano. Uh, and I remember there was one practice, practice room, there was one piano down there that was missing a note. Um, if I remember correctly, I think it was the second F-sharp past middle C. Um, and every time you ended up in that piano room, 
you'd think, oh, that note is not there. It's dead. It doesn't play anything. And you think, you know what? That's okay. There's 88 keys. If you didn't know that, there are 88 keys on a piano. But there are 88 keys. One's missing. It's 87. I'm sure I can play a song just as good with 87 keys, right? But every, wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it? Every time you go in that room, the song you want to play requires that F sharp. And it's like, ah, it's like I could play around it. I could play lower or higher. It's not the same without that note. It doesn't sound the same missing that one note. The same thing is true of this body here. We can, we can survive if you choose not to participate, but it doesn't sound the same. It's not as good. It's only complete when you are part of the body. Worship is sweeter when you sing along. No matter how good our guitar player might be, worship <laughs> is, only, is sweeter when you engage, when you sing, when you sing with your whole heart. It changes the atmosphere in this place. Mission trips that we take are more effective if you come. Our VBS is better when you volunteer. Our fellowship dinners are greater when you make something and come share it with us. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, things are better when you, in, when you invest. Life groups are stronger when you share. Let me just take a minute right here to remind you that this is the last week that you can sign up for life groups. You can do so online, flcwarsall.com slash life groups. There's five of them. We watched some videos about them this morning. Um, you can go right there and you can sign up. There are no signups in the back, um, but if that's a problem for you, if you don't have the you know, ability to sign up online, just come find me and I'll get you signed up, okay? Um, life groups are way better when you share. When you come and you open your heart to other believers. It's such a great opportunity for us to get to know people in a way that we wouldn't on a Sunday morning. And for us to care about people and carry people's burdens in a way that we wouldn't on a Sunday morning. It's one of the best ways for this congregation, this church right here, it's one of the best ways we have to grow together. So I strongly encourage you to invest some time and energy in life groups. It's only six weeks, once a week for six weeks. It's not that much of a time commitment, but it can make a huge um, benefit in the body, not in your life, but in the body. Don't just look at life groups and say, you know what, do I need a small group about this? Do I want to join that group? Does that sound interesting to me? Think about what about the other people in that group who might need your presence there? What about this church that needs you to engage with what we're doing? All right, I'll move on. I won't stay in life groups too long. We only accomplish God's calling when we work together. Uh, Romans 12, 6, uh, the next verse in the, the passage says, having gifts that differ according to the grace that's given us. What does it say right there? Let us use them. You get that? If you have a gift, let's use it. All right? You have gifts different than everyone else. Let's use them. God's grace was given to you so that you could serve the body. You are an expression of God's grace to the body. Now, we believe, um, at least I believe, that all of us have experienced the love of God. All of us have experienced the grace of God in our lives, right? But here's the thing that I've learned, is that God's grace is most often experienced in this life through other people. You hear what I said? It's not through like some you know, just mystical experience that I had. It's through other people. 
When I was young, um, I went to Bible school, and uh, I didn't have a car, and my parents uh, lived overseas and didn't really have the means to help me purchase a car. Um, I didn't really have a great job, and so I was going to Bible school without a car, which was fine, but I also needed to raise money to pay my school bill, and it's hard to get a job without a car. Art Barr, um, who was a, a good friend, a good part of this body, passed away earlier this year. Art Barr gave me my first car. It was a 1980 Chevy Citation hatchback, one of the best cars I ever owned. Um, and he gave me that car. And I experienced the grace of God in a way that I wouldn't if he hadn't used his gifts. That man had a gift to work on cars, but more importantly, he had a gift of generosity. And God used that gift in Art Bar to show grace to me. Now, can you imagine if Art Bar wasn't willing to use his gift? Then I would have never experienced the grace of God. All of the gifts come through the grace of God. We see that there. We have gifts that were given to us according to the, or according to the grace given to us. So the gifts that we have were given according to God's grace. But when you choose not to participate in what the body is doing, you are denying other people of the grace that God is trying to extend to them through you. God is trying to reach other people and show grace to other people through you. And if you're choosing not to participate, you're denying them of what God is trying to extend to them. Take heed. Under a pretense of humility and self-denial, we become slothful. And we and slothful in laying ourselves out for the good of others. We should never say, I'm nothing, therefore I will sit still and I will do nothing. Instead, we should say, I'm nothing in myself, therefore I will lay myself out to the utmost in the strength and the grace of Christ. I want to challenge you this morning that we need to better appreciate God's hand in placing us in the body, and we need to appreciate God's hand in giving us the gifts that he's given us to serve the body that we are a part of. So I'm going to close this morning um, by asking you a question, and it is not a rhetorical question. It's a question that I expect you to answer, um, but not out loud because that would be chaos. So I want you to get out a piece of paper or your phone or write it on your hand if that's all you got, but I want you to answer this question, okay? Um, preferably write it down so that um, you can look back at it. Here's the question. What gifts of God's grace have you been given? Like, what gifts do you have? If you're not sure, the verse, we'll look at verse 6, 7, and 8, which Sarah says, um, the gifts that we've been given that differ if it's prophecy um, or serving or teaching or exhorting, or says contribute, but giving, if it's leadership, if it's mercy. We all have gifts. What are the gifts God's given you? Some of you guys do really, really well working with young kids. That is absolutely a gift. Some of you guys are good with, with cars or engines or, or mechanical things. That's a gift God's given you. Some of you guys are good at Baking apple pie, that's a gift of God. It's a very spiritual gift. Some of you are good at talking to people. Not all of us are good at that, right? But some of you are good at talking to people, good at talking to people you've never met before. That's a gift that God has given you. Some of you guys are good at teaching. That's a gift. So what are some gifts that God has given you? Write something down. Now I want to ask you this second question. How can you use 
that gift to serve the body this week? Like literally, what's something you could do with one of the gifts you wrote down to serve somebody else? To help somebody at their house, call somebody up, make somebody an apple pie, something like that? How can you use what you've got to serve the body? I'm going to close with a really quick word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. Um, We thank you for the way that it challenges us when we need to be challenged. Um, And uh, we pray that you would just speak to us today. I also, we are so grateful for this body that we are um, a part of. Gracious for the the many wonderful people you've brought together here. Uh, I pray you would bless us this week um, in all that we do. In your name we pray. Together everyone said, amen, amen. Thank you all. One last reminder that Life Group's sign-up is this week. And if you have any questions, you can ask me about that. Thanks, guys.